to 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and pr proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of God. One of the most famous research projects that's ever been done on relationships is called the Alameda County Study. It was headed by a Harvard social scientist, and it took place over a nine-year period. They tracked the lives of 7,000 people, residents of Alameda County in California. They found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die, three times more likely to die than the most relationally connected people. Very interesting findings. They discovered that people who had bad health habits, smoking, poor eating patterns, obesity, alcohol use, and so on, people that had bad health habits but strong relational connections lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, they found that it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. <laughs> Scientifically established now. Written up. It's another study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It's the Journal of the AMA. They took 276 volunteers and infected them all with a virus that produces the common cold. In this study, uh, again, published in the Journal of the AMA, in this study they found that people with stronger emotional connections, deeper relationships, did four times better fighting off illness than those who were more isolated. Those with stronger relational connections were less susceptible to colds, they shed less virus, and they produced significantly less mucus than relationally unconnected subjects. <laughs> I am not making this up. This is in the study. It is literally true. Unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. <laughs> literally true. Now, I believe that studies like this are simply confirming at a biological level what the writers of Scripture taught a long time ago, you were created for community. You were made for relational connectedness. You were designed by God to love and be loved, to know and be known, to serve and be served, to celebrate and be celebrated. And to miss out on this is to miss out on the reason why God made you. Whatever else you achieve, whatever else you accomplish, however much other stuff you pile up, however high you climb on the ladder, you miss this and you miss the reason why you were made.
Good afternoon. Welcome to New Mercy. Uh, this is the first Sunday of our uh, community month, and we are uh, very, very excited uh, to have our community month for 2018. This is a little tradition we started about two years ago uh, here at New Mercy, uh, just to intentionally pause and to take time to think a little bit more inward, to uh, refresh, to um, to remind ourselves of the vision that God has given us. You know, what are we doing at the end of the day? Why are we gathering? Why do we have church? Why do we do church? Um, thinking through the vision of our church, you know, church for the broken, call to restoration. Thinking about the mission of the church, to go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, to think about community, think about people. Did you know that every Sunday here at New Mercy, to put up all our uh, services, we have three services, Edgewater, 10.30 and 1 p.m. here at Hackensack. Uh, it takes over 100 people. 100 of our friends, our members, they serve in different capacities to just to have Sunday happen for us at New Mercy. A lot of moving parts, a lot of people sacrificing, uh, faith, being faithful uh, over this community so that we can have this. Uh, even today, you know, setting up the praise worship equipment. I know our deacon Shin kind of, in a fun way, try to get more of you to come and serve. Do we even break down? But it's real. You know, every Sunday there are a lot of people uh, involved in this community. If we were to be completely honest, right, isn't this part of our, our, our longing? You know, I think as a pastor for me, the past eight years ministering here at New Mercy, if there's one hard longing that I get to hear over and over, people tell me, is exactly this. The Pastor Wanjie, I pray for deeper intimacy. I want to be in a meaningful community. I want to belong to a meaningful community. I need deeper friendships and on and on. It's, it's, everything is about communities. Everything is about people, relationships. And we wonder why. Why? Because we know. Because that this is how God created us. God designed us uh, from creation that we were meant to be in relationships. Remember the passage in Genesis chapter 2, one of my favorite passages where God creates the first person, Adam comes, and it's before Genesis 3, right, before the fall. So no sin, the perfect world. And yet God comes before Adam and tells Adam, Adam, still something is off. It is not good for you to be alone. And to this, you know, Adam, uh, God brings Eve then there, there you go, have the first marriage in Scripture in the Bible. One commentator, I love this, one commentator, he, uh, reading this passage, looking at this passage in Genesis 2, he said this, he said, Adam was called into relationship not because he was imperfect, but actually because he was perfect. And I read this, I was like, whoa, really mind blown. Adam was called into relationship not because he was imperfect, but actually because he was perfect. Meaning, to be human, to be human is too long for a relationship. It's not something wrong or off. That's what it means for us to be a created human being, that we long for community, we long for connection, we want to be part of something greater. We need people. That's why uh, whenever we think about, whenever I think about uh, our church, our community, just, just, just so blessed to even be here, even today as I was worshiping in the back, I was like, thank you, Lord. I mean, uh, it's just so awesome to be 
to be part of this corporately, like even every Sunday. It's, this, is, this is a gift. Amen? Community is a gift. Uh, it's a gift. That's why uh, here at New Mercy, we want to cherish this. And every September, every September, October during this time, uh, we want to intentionally pause and remember again, appreciate, think through where God is moving, how God is moving, where are we going. Um, so this is Community Month, and welcome. Today, I know it was a long Sunday already, a lot of stuff. This is great. We have a lot more planned, by the way. Community Month, there's a lot of stuff. Um, just to close our service, uh, very short uh, message. I'm just going to give maybe two points today, then we'll just end. Today's text, Romans 12, Paul is writing to the uh, Roman Christians uh, regarding the gospel, you know, in light of Jesus Christ, in view of God's mercies, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. And we heard this sermon many, many times. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, one of the most favorite texts, I think, for any Christian. Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Um, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not no longer conform to the pattern of this world, right? Uh, so we know the text, the first two verses of Romans 12, It's in light of the gospel, in light of who Jesus Christ is, Paul is urging the Roman Christian to to live a certain way. Live as living sacrifices. Personally make a commitment to Jesus Christ and live out as faithful, non-compromising. Live a different pattern. Live a certain way. But then, I think most of us, right, if not all of us, we, we stop there. We don't know the next six verses. Because this actually comes in one context, verses 1 through 8. And it's very interesting how Paul goes about the next six verses. In view of God's mercies, challenging the Christian to now make Jesus at the center. Don't fall for the worldly patterns. Live a different way. You are a living sacrifice. Live out a certain way. But then he goes towards now what? Next, verse 3, 4, humility. Humble yourselves. Because you are not just on your own. You are actually part of something. Then he goes into verse 5 and 6. You are actually part of a body. Just like the human body has many parts, but it's still one body. So is the Christian. That you are part of this thing called the body of Christ. And we are merely parts. Do you see the kind of like the progression of Paul's argument? First point I want to make today is number one. For the Christian, spiritual growth or spiritual maturity, it always, it always leads us to a, some form of a communal expression. For the Christian person, for the faithful, Spiritual maturity or spiritual growth always, always needs to be displayed in some form of a communal expression. Meaning, for the Christian faith, in the Christian faith, for the Christian, our end goal, where we are headed, our spiritual growth and maturity is never a privatized or individualistic, just a, just a private kind of thing. The biblical testimony is that When we embrace Christ from the individual 
He always leads us into a, some form of a relational, communal display of faith. You know, when I go to India um, for missions, uh, I, I love this country. We, you know, we're kind of all bummed, all those India, India missionaries this year we didn't get to go. Uh, whenever we go, we meet a lot of uh, holy people. You know, so-called these Hindus and, you know, the Buddhists there, they have like these holy men and women. And once in a while, we even just, when you walk down the street or go to a certain city, there are these temples. And inside a temple, literally, sometimes you see like a holy man, a guru, sitting there. Uh, and what it is, is basically that community near that man or that person, somehow something happens and declares this person to be holy. Wow, this is a holy man or holy child. And they literally stick this person, a human person, into like a room or a shrine, and, and they, they're called just holy. In that context, in that religion, the end goal, the end finalized maturity of that faith, Hinduism, whatever, is, a, is reaching nirvana or whatever it is. It's, a, it's becoming a holy guru or a god, meaning growing more individualistic, growing more just personal link with that God. And literally, you literally become a God. That's their kind of end piece. That's why they worship even a human person because they feel like this person has attained or became a God. You know, in the Christian faith, it's actually the opposite. Completely opposite. Christianity, the maturity piece, as we grow in faith, it's never ever about one person, a person, just in, or her, in his or her room trying to figure God out or encounter God or I'm going to become like God. And that's never the picture of scripture maturity. Biblical maturity is in view of God's mercy, you encounter God. God actually chooses you. And in light of God, in light of the gospel, now what happens? You cannot contain this. And you, we live it out in community. The holier the person, the mature the person, more communal expression of faith. Completely opposite. It's not you becoming more privatized and more just on your own with God. In the Christian faith, that's actually when you're young. Right? When you first encounter God, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. But the more you grow, now you're called to discipleship. You're called to missions. You're called to go and serve the world, serve his church, raise people, love, share, serve. Everything is about what? It's a communal expression. That's why today, uh, Paul, again, this Romans 1, 1 through 12, 1 through 8, what, what happens? In view of God's mercy, first he challenges the individual. Yes, first and foremost, it is a personal faith. Right? Our, 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 we receive Christ and our faith changes. And yes, I need to cast out my idols and break my idols and live a certain way. Make an individual commitment before the Lord. But then what happens? But remember, you're not by yourself. This is not it. This is just the beginning. Now humble yourself because you're part of something. You're part of a community and know your place. And also he goes on and says what? We're, we're a body of Christ. We're part of something bigger. You thought you were it? No, you're not actually. You're just a pinky, basically God's saying. You're just a nose, hair, whatever. Something. You're a body part. There's something bigger and grander. That's why it's humbling. Humility. The, mature, the more growth and maturity comes in the faith, humility. Number one thing. Right? Humility comes. Then in that, we know that your body, many parts body. Then Paul goes, see, now you know we have different 
gifts, different call, and live it out. Express it in the community. For those who have prophecy, prophesy. If you're called to lead, lead. Teach, teach. Serve, serve. Generous, be generous. To what? To the community. Spiritual growth in our Christian faith always needs to come out in a communal expression. If it's not coming out, if it's just always you just holding on to your faith and I'm going to become a guru or whatever, wrong religion. Go to India. Find a house and stick, stick you in a shrine someplace. Maybe people will come and worship you. But not in the Christian faith. Again, it's completely opposite. God picks us. We're encountered by, of course, you know, every day your, your private, personal relationship with God goes on. Yes, true. Very important. But the expression of it, communally expression, relationally expression of it has to, has to be there. Right? No individualized or privatized uh, Christians in the Holy Church. There is a relationship between a person's spiritual life and their grasp of being in community for the Christian. In the Christian faith, there is always a relationship between a person's spiritual life and their understanding or their grasp of community. Always function together for the Christian faith. And I think that is really a sign of where you are in the faith. If you're always still about yourself and, you know, I kind of, yeah, body of Christ, I need each other, need, need, need you, but not really, then you're still kind of, you don't get it. You don't get it. Paul is urging, yelling. You know, remember 2 Corinthians? Uh, not 2, 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is talking about that, that beautiful picture of the body of Christ. You know, if someone were an eye and say, you know, whatever year. In that passage alone, Paul says the body of Christ, that, that phrase body of Christ, about 18 times. It's like yelling at the church. You're the body of Christ. You're we're the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. I Meaning you're just parts on your own, you're not full. Okay? So, first point, communal expression. Second one, and we'll just end with this today, we, that we are the body of Christ. So in Christ, I'm just going to focus on verse 5 and we'll end. Verse 5, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Uh, this week, I, or, I was studying this passage and, you know, man, read this passage many, many times. And for some reason, this verse 5 really just hit me. And the part that hit me this week was, I don't know, for some reason, I never, like, saw this. I guess the Bible, it's, it was always there. I just didn't catch it. It says, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We're the body of Christ. I would think what makes logical sense is we all belong to Christ. But he actually says no. Being part of the body of Christ is first and foremost we're attached to the head, which is Jesus Christ. But also the fact that we're body of Christ is that we also belong to each other, Paul writes today. Wow. That's kind of a little bit scary too. Somehow like I'm connected to you guys in a way that is like life and death. So meaning, we absolutely, desperately, we need each other. It's, this is not just like a thing, like, you know, oh, it's nice, part of the church community. No. If you're a Christian, and if you're part of a community together, local community, 
We are the body of Christ, and now you belong to one another. Paul writes there. Do you believe that? It's kind of scary. Meaning that absolutely we need each other, one another, to even spiritually grow, to sustain even life. You know, for me, I have this condition uh, called gout. Probably describe it as a little too young to have gout. If you have gout, you you're seriously have issues. Gout is for a little bit older people who eat a lot of meat or protein, and there's like uric acid get piled up in your system. So in my bloodstream, there's a lot of uric acid. And what happens is if I eat a lot of meat, uh, these little like crystals kind of get formed inside my bloodstream in, in my toe area. Literally, I get these attacks. And when gout attacks come, uh, I want to chop off my toes. Like, it's that bad. The first time I got it, I thought I broke my toes. Uh, so I went to the doctor. I was like, you know, doctor, I think my toe's broken. He's like, no, you have gout. So what's gout? He's like, well, these crystals form. So I was like, it was so painful. I, I was like praying, Lord, just chop it off, chop it off. I don't need my toes. I don't need my toes. I mean, it's especially my first front toe, my right side front toe, first toe, uh, big toe, uh, I get this, this thing. My, my toe goes huge, and like, I can't walk and do anything. I chop it off. I can't. I did a lot of research on the toe. Did you know that toe is very important? Like, you can't balance yourself, you can't walk, you can't regain anything. To the point, I mean, I'm, I'm serious about that, I researched. To the point, even NFL players, like, uh, they're NFL, these huge NFL, like, pro, uh, like, NFL players, uh, athletes, like, like, humongous, these monster athletic guys, a lot of them actually, they retire because of toe issues. Especially, like, this thing called turf toe. I mean, some of you guys play football, you know, like, toe gets bent and your ligament rips and it takes a long time to recover. So the, even football players who have turf toe, these Pro Bowl-level players, they're serious-level NFL players, they actually cannot play football because of the tiny thing called turf toe. You know, players like even Ray Lewis, you guys know Ray Lewis, that crazy guy. Uh, Ray Lewis, he, there was a season a couple of years ago when he was playing, uh, he couldn't play for like four games. And people were like, what's wrong, Ray Lewis? And he's like, I have a turf toe. Uh, right? Every part, every body part, it matters, important, significant. And again, uh, Scripture reminds us that we're the body of Christ. And we belong to each other. We're connected, but we're necessary. We're absolutely needed to sustain life, to sustain a what? A healthy life. So maybe if we could read this a little bit further too, if this is true, we absolutely need each other, then in some sense too, in order for us to be even spiritually healthy, spiritually in full gears to really do the mission of God, we absolutely need everyone. That's what Paul is saying. That's why whoever has these types of gifts If it's your prophesying, prophesy. If you're a teacher, teach. If you're a leader, lead. If you're a servant, serve. On and on and on. Whatever your gifting is, do it. So that the whole church, whole body is edified and we grow together. Okay? Then one last thing is, and as we do this, I also believe that this is how we are the most expressed and effective in his mission. How do we touch the world? When the body properly functions, when we properly function, when, when everybody is serving and leading and involved and understand, has a good, healthy grasp of the body, that we belong to each other, that we need each other, then that's, why, that, that's when I think the church also is most effective in, in mission. You know, I was thinking about this uh, concept of uh, mission and gifts. 
you know, we all have gifts, uh, talents, and God has blessed so many of you, all of you, with something. Uh, and we usually express our gifts in your, your work areas, right? And sometimes when your work and your faith and your uh, spiritual life is not connected, you feel like you're just kind of like working and making money, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Right? You feel that. Uh, and there's something still empty, like restlessness comes. I have an amazing job. I make a lot of money, but still it doesn't mean anything. And, you know, I hear this all the time. You know, like someone like Whitney Houston. I love Whitney Houston. Uh, you guys know Whitney Houston, right? <laughs> okay, the greatest singer ever lived, in my opinion. Whitney Houston. I love Whitney Houston, and I I became like a, almost like a Whitney fin- Whitney. I call her Whitney Whitney fanatic, and uh, watching all the documentaries that was out I, even after her death. Um, and Whitney Houston. You know, some people say she might commit a suicide or drug overdose, or whatever. She she passed away, but Whitney Houston was one person, she really had just everything. The world stage, um, she got to sing at, I mean, the, the greatest events ever, hundreds of thousands of people in front of her, and she, she expressed her gifts that way, right? Amazing voice, God-given voice. But yet, if you look at the end of her life, Whitney Houston had a miserable life at the end. She literally was at a hotel room in a, in a bathtub, basically depressed, and drug addiction, all the relationships broken, and some people think she basically took her life. Why? I mean, she had an amazing gift. She had the, the world as her stage, and yet what? You know what? Still her gift, things expressed in only at that level still could not fulfill her. If we also continue to only utilize our giftings in that sort of a self-contained or just secular kind of contained way, I think there are limits. That's why even giftings, even expressing when, you know, Paul today says, utilize your gifts. He's what, thinking about what? He's thinking about kingdom. He's thinking about eternal things. He's thinking about God's church and God's mission. Because only by utilizing our gifts also in that regards, true, I think, meaning will come. Worth will come. I mean, I know that some of you guys here, especially our second, third generation Asian Americans in our area, Bergen County area, amazing, amazing, talented, gifted people. Ivy League, I mean, the amazing schools. I mean, you guys are brilliant. You're going to make so much more money than any of the pastors ever. (laughs) I mean, just good things are coming. But you know what? If all that gifting God has poured upon your life, if you only use it to a degree of, say, what Whitney Houston kind of did, you know, in your work, in your just for yourself, or your just kind of like a worldly, secular kind of goals, absolutely, I guarantee you, you'll never ever fulfill you, because that's not what how God intended for your gifts to be only used. There has to be a greater purpose, greater missional purpose, eternal purpose. Something grander, don't you think? I mean, for me, whenever I watch Whitney Houston documentary, that's what comes to mind. Man, Whitney Houston had the world as her stage. She, she sang to kings and queens and just, she had everything. And yet what? At the end of the day, just still something was not fulfilled. 
still wasn't fulfilling, still was not enough. Because I believe that our gifts were meant to also fully be utilized in kingdom purposes for God's things, God's glory, for eternal things. And I believe that we will fully realize why, how God created us. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, I'm just going to end with this last quote. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, uh, the great uh, Bonhoeffer, he said, He who loves community will destroy community. But he who loves the individual will build the community. He who loves the concept, the idea of just community will destroy community. But he who loves the person, the people, will actually be the one who builds the community. Sometimes we have only like an ideal, abstract kind of understanding of community. But at the end of the day, what is community? Community is people. Community is people sitting next to us today, sitting behind you. Community actually is the people that might annoy you or the person that you have difficulty right now. We're also part of this community made up with these people and individuals. And as we think about Community Month here at New Mercy, Our prayer is that for the next few weeks and for the month, uh, can we perhaps go back to uh, thanking the Lord for this gift called community, but also thinking about people, thinking about my brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters around us here, maybe even your friends again, maybe just people that you just take take it for granted, right? Oh, you know, they're just always there, always around. And oh, they're precious. They're precious. It's a gift. And God has allowed us to enjoy and to receive this precious gift. Uh, So with that, we're going to close today. If we could just uh, pray. And today, as we close, uh, if we may, uh, just spend some time praying for, as we launch this community month, Uh, Pray for uh, our New Mercy community. You guys know we're going through this time of discernment. And today uh, we do have a meeting. We're going to be vision casting uh, what the Hackensack Church might look like. Uh, But we absolutely covet uh, your prayers during this season. Uh, Some of us, we've been praying and fasting through through the last few months. Uh, So please do pray with us. And if we may, can we, as we launch this community month here at New Mercy, Uh, let's ask the Lord, Lord, uh, really, what's what's on your heart? Where are you leading us? Where are you leading us, Father? You know, they say that our generation today, we're a consuming generation. We just just love to consume things. Even at church, sometimes we come and all we're looking for is, you know, what can I learn? Or what can I take? What can I eat? A lot of uh, consumption mentality. But you know, the Christian church, again, The Christian community is not about consuming. But Christian community at the core is what? Is belonging. Christian community is really being about belonging. So can we pray, Lord, if you call New Mercy as your home, this is as your church, can we ask the Lord, Lord, will you enlarge my heart, Father, that I want to move from a, a consuming attitude to a belonging attitude that this is my church Lord that this is my community 
that I want to meaningfully belong and connect. And God, in ways that you want me to express my giftings, my time, my energy to this community, Father, help me. Help me to communally express, Father, my faith here. So can we just spend a moment in prayer? Let's come before the Lord. And let's really ask the Lord, Lord, we thank you for this gift called community. All my brothers and sisters, Father, just the family of God that you have called us to, Lord.